Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hello, this is Penny. Thank you so much for joining me today for our Flourish Podcast. I wanted to share, and I think this will probably take a couple weeks, about the topic of forgiveness. It seems as though it's rather apparent that one area that snags Christians on a very regular basis is the area of forgiveness. And I know from personal experience that we can think we've forgiven someone when in fact we might have just perhaps made an obligatory mental assent in order to perhaps try to do the right thing. I know I've done that. We're so good at building our case against people. Think about it. How many times have you gone over a situation or a conversation in your mind over and over again, just building your frustration and building your case against the person who has hurt you or treated you inappropriately, offended you in some way. And oftentimes we do it about our own selves. We just sit and mull over all the things that we have done that have made us a less than lovable or acceptable person. And think about this. How many conversations have you heard or perhaps even participated in that center on the wrongdoing of someone else. Mm. You know that you go out to a restaurant and sometimes you can overhear the conversations around you. And so often they're about people's frustrations with others and how they view another person. And sometimes it can, it can get pretty nasty. But I mean, even in our own lives, probably there are times where we just communicate our frustrations about someone else to a relative, a friend, our husband, our wife, whatever. And how many mental conversations have we had that focus on how miserable or without value we are on our own selves? Huh. Human pride always wants to be right and find the other person guilty as charged whenever we're thinking of others in this regard, whenever we're dealing with offenses from them. You know, in all these conversations that we have with others or with ourselves, part of the objective is to show how guilty that person was or how wrong they were and how right we were. Sometimes someone has totally unintentionally offended us just by maybe their habits or their lack of manners. Some people lash out and offend us for seemingly on purpose. Sometimes it looks like for the sheer satisfaction or perhaps revenge of it. Some people offend us by decisions that they make that probably weren't directed specifically at us, but were selfish and perhaps reckless decisions. I just thought I'd mention a couple of statements that would indicate a lack of forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that Jesus talks about in the word. Well, I've forgiven them, but I will never forget what they did to me. There's a good chance there that you really haven't forgiven them. They're not sorry, so why should I have to forgive them? Obviously, that means you haven't forgiven them. 
as long as they don't know how I feel about them, it's my business, and it really doesn't matter, right? Well, not really. Sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking we actually have a choice in the matter. I'm not ready to forgive them. I've been too hurt. This is too serious. They don't deserve it. But if we look in the Bible, and there's a lot of references, but one in particular would be Matthew 18 and the verses 21 through 35. I'm not going to read them, but it's a response to Peter's question where he says, Lord, how often shall I, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven And he tells the story of a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. There was one who owed him, my side note says, 15 years worth of labor. So he couldn't pay it. So the king was going to put him and his whole family in prison until he paid. And he pleaded for mercy. And this king felt compassion on him and forgave him all of that debt, which is pretty major. But that same person, that slave, found another fellow slave who owed him what my note says was one day's worth of wages. So he went after this guy with a vengeance, and he demanded repayment. But when that slave couldn't pay, he pleaded for mercy. But this formerly forgiven slave threw him in prison, refused to be compassionate, refused to forgive. And it got back to the king. And when the king found out that this man refused to have the same type of mercy that he had received, he handed that initial person that owed the 15 years wages over, it says, to the torturers. And that chapter actually closes with a startling statement that can really kind of throw us. And it says, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother, of course, or sister, from your heart. Wow. Okay. So not just a mental assent, not just a dutiful forgiveness, but from the depths of our heart where we know that that thing is no longer there tormenting us or haunting us. And this is such a clear illustration of how much we've already been forgiving, forgiven, but how unwilling we can be then to forgive much less from people around us. But it's beyond that, it's clear that it's a clear illustration that God is absolutely not okay with us refusing to forgive others. And to me, it's so laid out there that it's a serious place to be if we're holding on forgiveness. We often feel justified or even righteous in holding on to things against others because after all, they were horrible and so wrong, so uncalled for. And that is absolutely true much of the time, many, many times. Mark eleven twenty five and 26. This always, like somehow I learned this when I was a first Christ, a Christian and it always stuck out in my mind whenever I was praying, I would remember this verse. It says, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, 
neither will your Father, who is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Hmm. Wow. When we don't forgive, it leads to replaying, mulling over, meditating, rehearsing those hurtful, those angry thoughts, until often like a very deep bitterness takes hold of us. It can become so deep that we hate that person. We despise them. And we go around as Christians despising people at times. We have so much anger and bitterness toward them. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. I mean, how many times have we seen or even participated in having bitterness and influencing others with that bitterness, like spreading it, sharing it, communicating it, sometimes thinking we're just venting, but oftentimes drawing other people into our offense to the point where they can't stand that person either. They, they look down upon them. They judge them. I mean, we've seen it in churches so many times, how many church splits, how many personal offenses that have caught fire and been spread around the church and caused havoc. How many times have we seen it in families, in friendships, in friend groups? It happens a lot. Bitterness is defined as a deep distress of mind leading toward enmity with God and abandonment of faith. I mean, hmm. when you let bitterness go unchecked, not only are you in distress, you know, Psalm 32 talks about how terrible a person feels when there's something in their heart that is unchecked or undealt with. But it actually says that it leads toward enmity with God and abandonment of our faith, bitterness toward others, toward ourselves, and sometimes toward God because he takes the hit so many times for things that go wrong in our life, for the curse that is on this earth that seems to come against us so often. We blame God for, we charge God for those things when they're not his doings. The Mayo Clinic has a little article and it says, when you're in bitterness, it interferes with your body's hormonal and immune system, leads to higher blood pressure and heart rate and many other illnesses. Wow. It's not good for you and it's not good for anyone else to allow unchecked bitterness in your heart and your life. And sometimes it becomes so much of our DNA. It's been there so long that we've don't even realize it. It's just kind of, it's just there. And we've buried it. It's, you know, submerged beneath the surface. We don't, we don't know even anymore that it's there. Um, before I've told this story before, and it's also in my book, but before I was a Christian, I knew like at that point in time, before I was, came to Christ, I knew how much bitterness I had toward my dad. I was so resentful of him for leaving us as a family. I was 13 when he left. I became angry immediately. He left for the neighbor woman up the road. Uh, I knew her daughter. I was so deeply hurt and offended, even though I acted really tough and like I was not moved on the outside. Inside, I was so hurt. And I 
manifested resentment toward my dad in a very real and tangible way. But when I came to Christ, I knew I was supposed to forgive. I knew it was, quote, a Christian thing, and I should do that. But in my heart, at that age of 17, I I forgave him, and I, I, I reached out to him and even said, I forgive you. But in my heart, I held him in distance. He was still superfluous in my thinking because I was not about to let him hurt me even deeper. I wasn't going to try to make some kind of connection that he wasn't willing to make or give myself more uh, relational risk in, in regard to him. He was the one who had created all this, so really it should be his job to fix it. I would have dreams. I was deeply impacted even long after I became a Christian. I had very rejecting dreams regarding my dad. But I chose not to think about it. I just kept putting it under, putting it under, till ultimately I thought I was good in that area. It was too rejecting and too painful to consider. So many, many, many years after I was a Christian, my kids were, a lot of them were older, I went on a retreat, and there was a leader there, a woman who challenged me to consider my relationship with my dad. And so I thought, okay, I'll give a little thought to that. And I went off by myself and did that. And hmm, as I was praying, I really allowed myself to process and to consider whether I still had issues toward him. And it kind of became apparent that I did. You know, just the way I felt in my heart toward him, the self-preservation, the walls I had up, the hurt that still was there when I thought about him, the dreams that I still had. And so I actually followed a process in that time at that retreat center where I really was purposeful about forgiveness. I didn't just assume it. It wasn't just a mental ascent. It was a crying out to God and bringing those things specifically, all of them, each item to the Lord, and then speaking forgiveness and release and even blessing over my dad. And that began a restorational process that three days later was miraculous. My dad called me after years of, you know, no contact. He came to visit. Um, we had an incredible restorational time. I was able to pray with him. I asked him to speak a blessing over my life. He did. I spoke forgiveness and release over him. He, he just put his head on the table and wept. And then he died very, very shortly thereafter. And I realized that forgiveness often needs to be more purposeful and definitive than we may think. So for me, it took a willingness to vulnerably look at what remained in my thinking and my emotions and to bring it to God verbally. So I'm going to close this podcast here and pick up the second half of the forgiveness um, podcast next time. But maybe for now, just perhaps consider, are there people in your life that you've kind of boxed them off so that they can't do any more damage? And I'm going to talk later about Forgiveness does not mean a carte blanche open door to restoration. That's, that's not one and the same. In some scenarios, it can be, like with my dad. But in, in some, it cannot be. 
So it's worthwhile to take the time to consider to see if there are any of those issues where he talked about in Matthew 18 that said, if you don't forgive from your heart, then you're in a precarious place, a scary place. And it's worth considering that. We don't want to have those things lurking in our life. We don't want to be held back by them. We don't want to be held back by judgments or vows that we've made to protect ourselves because he's the one that protects us. He's the one that looks out for us. His promises are what take us over the top and sustain us, not our own little vows and self-preservation issues. So if you would, just spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, is there anyone? Is it my spouse? Perhaps my children? I've talked to people who hadn't spoken to their children in years, sometimes because of either choices that that child made or uncaring, cruel, maybe, actions toward the parent. Ask yourself if there's anyone who, let me just throw this out there, anyone who, here's some symptoms. You avoid them at all costs. You, um, when you do see them, you try to make another way so that you're not in the same room. Their presence, their voice annoys you. When you think of them, it is accompanied by frustration or even disdain or anger. Those are all signs that there's still some unforgiveness in your heart towards someone. So maybe just start with that and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, is there anyone that I haven't fully forgiven from my heart? <clears throat> and I want to, I want to move forward with that now. And so we'll pick this up next time. And I appreciate you uh, listening and being a part of the podcast. And I love y'all and pray God's wisdom and his insight on your life in regard to these things. Thanks for listening to the Flourish podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.